Today's guest walked his way through school, eventually achieving an MBA in healthcare administration. He is a husband, a father, a consultant, the father of HVASF, and the author of a book titled New You, Who Knew. Welcome to the show, David. How are you doing? Hey, Toby. Thanks. It's great to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I really appreciate you know, your presence here today. And I'm so glad that you know, we're able to connect. And before we even start recording, you're telling me about your experience, you know, working where I came from, where I was giving back to Ibado, Nigeria, and everything that you did there in the healthcare sector. That's so amazing. <laughs> so how small the world is, basically, right? That I am here now in Europe, you're in, back in Washington, in the US, but at a point in our lives, we are <laughs> in Nigeria, you know, you doing wonderful work in the healthcare sector, and me basically maybe still in the bosom of my mother or something like that. <laughs> it's a very small world, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, it's very small, yeah. But I would just love you to, you know, share a little bit about the essential life lessons and experiences that you learned from 35 years of working in the healthcare sector and also just life experiences that you got from life in general. Yeah. So I, um, like you said, I've worked in healthcare for 35 years. It kind of amazes me as I think about it. And uh, I feel... It's not been a typical career, if you will. <laughs> I've been able to do a lot of different things in a lot of different places, which I've been grateful for. Um, mm. I uh, And I don't want to get into all of that necessarily because there's just too much to cover. But uh, the last 10 years or so, I've been really um, moved, if you will, very motivated um, to pursue this idea that we are all whole people. So the Western medical model looks at you in bits and parts and pieces, right? Somebody looks at your eyes and a different person looks at your nose. A different person thinks about your mental state. Different somebody else thinks about your heart or your fingers. And somebody else thinks about, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's this reductionist. Everything is divided and split out. And there's some advantages to that, right? This kind of reductionist model has led to amazing scientific advances, which is all good. But in the process, we have lost sight, I believe, of the fact that every one of us is born a fully connected, <laughs> whole human being. We have a physical nature, a mental nature, a spiritual nature. We have a physical self. Um, you know, we have all of these aspects and domains. We're individuals, we're members of families, we are employees, perhaps, we are neighbors and friends. We have all these connections. Um, and we're, you know, the sum of the whole. And so mm -hmm. while there's value in looking at bits and pieces, I believe there's also value in kind of taking a step back and saying, wait a minute, we're whole people. And I had the privilege of working with some primary care organizations who shared this mental model, if you will, this kind of idea. And what we were striving to do was build a health center or a health system that looked at each person as a whole person, as an individual, unique person, and um, to engage with them in that way as a fellow human being who's looking for some help on their health journey could be mental health, could be oral health, it could be physical health, um, or whatever. 
And so we started down this journey of just, you know, just thinking about, well, what does it mean? How would we operate? Um, I was the CEO of a community health center in a rural area in Oregon, and we had had wonderful success at um, building a good reputation, at um, really taking good care of our patients and have really good health outcomes. Um, and we'd outgrown our building, our first building that we had. In fact, I was in a closet is my office as the CEO. And then I had to move out of my closet so we could put two dentists <laughs> and make my closet their office. <laughs> or three dentists, yeah. actually. And so, um, and I moved into another building because there just wasn't room. And so we needed to build a new, a new health center. And we had this idea that we want this to be designed not around the typical model, but around this whole person model. So everything was integrated, just like you and I are, and every single person are integrated. Um, and so you really didn't, you know, you got some oral health and primary care, and you got some mental health and dental care. <laughs> you, you, you know, it, it just everything was kind of mixed and organized in a way that we could help you as a whole person. Yeah. As we were designing this new building around this idea, I had this epiphany, my first of a few. And, I ha and this, I, this epiphany was that if you, Toby, come into our health center and we have this really beautiful mm. building that's designed to keep you relaxed and healthy and we have this great team of people that care about you as a whole person and want to engage with mm. you and support you on whatever your goals are, um, Unless we could help you carry out your role as the captain of the healthcare team, right? As the captain of your own healthcare journey. Since let's face it, most of your life you're not in the health center, right? You're in your life. You're at home, you're at work, you're out working, you're playing, you're doing whatever you do. And so really you have to be in charge. You have to be the captain of that. And we want you to guide this team because you know yourself better than anybody here does. And I asked the question of this wonderful multidisciplinary team that I was working with. I said, you know, I've worked in healthcare for over 30 years now, and I don't know what that means. Isn't that embarrassing? I feel kind of slow sometimes. And so it's like, what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to have you be the captain of the care team? What are the skill sets, right? And so I started mm -hmm. studying particularly with some psychology and some help with some of the therapists, um, this idea of change, because we felt like it was really all about how do we manage change in our lives? And there's two kinds of change, right? There's the external change, right? So I'm, I might be on Riverside or I might be on Zoom or I might be on a conference call without any video, right? And so there's different kinds of technologies yeah. and we need to keep up with those things because that's constantly evolving mm -hmm. and changing. So that's one kind of change. Yes. It's important. Perhaps more important, and certainly I will say more important, is this idea of how am I changing, right? Who am I becoming? 
And what is this change process so that I become the person that I want to become? Not some random what my boss wants me to be or my girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, somebody else, my neighbors, my parents, <laughs> some political leader, yeah. whatever, right? How am I becoming who I want to become? And so it was all yeah. about change. And so I started studying change models. You would think that's pretty simple, but unfortunately, anything has to do with human beings is not simple. <laughs> it's not simple. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, true. And so I, I started studying these various change models. And this one has a very fancy name called the trans-theoretical model of change. And I promise I won't ever say that again, but um, a lot of really smart people have thought about this a lot, but they don't all agree. And so I lined up, because I was a finance guy for a long time, I built a spreadsheet and I said, what are the elements or aspects of this change model? And I put the next one next to it. And then I had six of them up and I had this second epiphany. It's all about change and change at its most rudimentary, most elementary foundation. Every one of these models showed that this idea of intrinsic motivation or personal motivation is the foundation. It's the core, absolutely necessary element of every change model. And I thought, man, that's amazing. What in the heck do I know about intrinsic motivation? Nothing. <laughs> you know, very little. Because motivation, you know, from a business perspective, as an organization, is all about how do we motivate our people to do what we want them to do. I mean, that's what you think about when you think about motivation as a business. We don't really think about building these foundations that help a person at work, but also at home, in their hobbies, in their family, in their other relationships, in their life in general, right? We don't really think of them as whole people. We just think about them, the hours that they're working for us. And so I started studying intrinsic motivation and I happened to get fired from that job that I loved so much. And was so exciting, which is a whole nother story. I didn't steal anything, I promise. Yeah. We just had a disagreement with my board and I lost the argument. Um, but anyway, so I had some time. And so I thought I'm going to really dive into this. And I spent the next two years really researching. Uh, and then I spent about a year writing this book. Knew you? Who yeah. knew? And it really built <laughs> on um, these foundational principles. And there are 10 that I identified that I'll lead to a person being the captain, not only of their healthcare journey, but of their entire life. Because these principles yeah. and the related skill sets are applicable to every domain of life, physical, mental, yeah. spiritual, work, family, all of these domains are influenced mm -hmm. and guided by these principles. It was really quite a profound journey for me. Yeah, so that, that's really, really awesome, David. Like, I love the fact that you, you know, went from, you know, talking about we as human beings being a whole being, basically, like every unit, every part of us, you know, forms who we are and every part of us, you know, is interconnected to who we are, basically. And you're talking about changes, the external changes, internal changes that, you know, make us who we are also, basically. And also, I love the fact when you talk about um, knowing who you are and who you are becoming. Yes. 
And that's what made me, you know, motivated to also speak with you because, you know, your book is titled New You because we change and we evolve all the time. And sometimes we, we don't know who we are becoming, you know, we don't know if you are becoming who we are due to our girlfriends, our boyfriends or parents or, you know, country or whatever, whatever factor it is. But it's, it's actually very important for us to know who we are becoming and being the captain of our own lives, like you said. That's so awesome. So I would just love you to talk about the, the 10 principles that you, you explained in your wonderful gifts that you give to the world, your book. Uh, it's important for you to like talk about the most important principles there in order for us to know who we are becoming and to know who the new, the new you or the new we are, basically. <laughs> Maybe I'll... And uh, maybe I hit on one concept, and I'd love to see what you think about this before we get into the principles real quick. So we yes. talked a little bit about companies and organizations, right? And then human mm. beings. Um, we live in an industrial age, right? I mean, the industrial revolution, as we talk about it, started 300 and some odd years ago, and it's evolved you know, over the centuries to today. Mm. But it is a very common, and I'm going to suggest it's a misconception that we think about ourselves like a machine. And it's unfortunate that a lot of businesses, they treat us like we are an asset. And people say it very proudly, right? They say people are our most important asset. Well, I have a master's in business administration, and I've been a CFO and a CEO for a long time now. And... I promise you, I've never had a human being on my balance sheet, <laughs> which is where all of my assets are listed. Okay? So I'm sorry if somebody doesn't know anything about accounting. The balance sheet says what you owe and what you own. <laughs> we don't own our employees, right? And so employees are not assets. By definition, they're not assets. And we're not cogs in a machine. We think about the machine. We think about all the parts have to fit perfectly. And you mentioned, you know, before we went on the recording that you do computer programming. And as you know, when you're, my son-in-law is a computer programmer as well. And he puts out these long strings of code. And if he puts a comma in the wrong place, the code doesn't work, right? If he puts the wrong function here and instead of putting it over there, it doesn't work. It's broken, right? It's flawed. Mm. It's dysfunctional. Yeah. And that's how we think about machines, right? Because that's a machine metaphor. And we don't even think about this in normal life. But far too often, we think about ourselves and we think about each other in this kind of mechanical machine metaphor. And so if you're a black man and I'm a white man, we might think that I'm a little better or a little worse than you and vice versa. Or that because my nose is big and, you know, long and narrow and yours is wide, that maybe one of us is flawed or broken. Mm. But that's mm. a mechanical metaphor. As opposed to looking at us from a more natural perspective that we are both human beings. We are unique in some ways and some ways we're very similar. Your genetic code and mine are 99.9% .9 exactly the same. The same with a Native American, the same with somebody from Southeast Asia, the same from anybody on the planet. We're 99.9% .9 our genetic code is exactly the same. And so we are all human beings. We're all different. The fact that we're different, some are tall, some are short, 
Some carry their weight a little bit different than others. You know, some people have big ears, some people have little ears, whatever. It doesn't make us flawed or broken. It just makes us human. Amazingly, yes. we're just human beings. And that is the way that we're set up. It's the way we're designed. Mm -hmm. And so I believe it's really important as we start talking about this principles of human success or this principles of human development that we recognize that every one of us is very similar but also distinct. But it doesn't make us better or worse, right or wrong, flawed or broken. We're just different. And as soon as we start accepting this universality, this common humanity, I think we're in a much better place to then, frankly, to, to engage with these principles, not as a machine, but as a human being. Does that make sense? Of course it does, yes. Like, we are all unique beings and we are beautiful, we are amazing in our uniqueness. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so, mm -hmm. so as a foundation, <laughs> this idea of our humanity, <laughs> right, which means that nobody's yeah. perfect, right? You don't know anybody yeah. that's perfect and I don't because they don't exist. So we're all just different yeah. in slightly different ways. Um, and I think that's very important. So the principles. Um the very first principle, the one that frankly surprised me the most, is this idea of making our own personal core values explicit. Mm -hmm. So the very, I mean that in a very specific way. So almost everybody has some sense of their values. So like Toby, do you have a sense? Of, I mean, what are your values? What do you think about when I say, you know, you what are my values? Yes, the, the, my values are what makes me who I am, basically. Like, okay, I, I, I love to be maybe punctual, for example, or I'm disciplined or, yeah, I'm, you know, managing my time properly or something like that. Or maybe I'm, I'm uh, let's say, honesty, for example, or maybe um, hard work or creativity. Then those are like my, my, my values or, you know, um, and those, that is what exactly what makes me who I am, basically. That's what defines Toby. That's perfect. Exactly, actually. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. So you have a sense of your values because these are things that are important to you, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what our values are, right? These are things that are important to us. What the research has shown is that about 80% of people, so that means most people listening or watching, um, yeah. have never made their values explicit, so what happens is they go through life and they have this vague feeling, this kind of, this sense that this is consistent with my values, right? I feel good about this. Or conversely, right? I'm not comfortable around this. I mean, something's going on that I am not comfortable with. You know, this makes me feel like I'm, I want to retreat a little bit or I want to attack or whatever, right? It's just not comfortable. Mm. But we don't really understand why because we've never made our core values explicit. So it's a very specific process that I recommend that helps a person to make these values explicit. Um, and here's why it's important. It's important because when we go through this process, instead of having these vague, fuzzy feelings about this fits or this doesn't fit, we have a very clear sense of this fits and this is why or this is what's going on and this is why it doesn't fit 
right? It's we're very clear in our mind about it. And when we're clear about it, we can be actionable about it. And our life just seems like it's like a bright, sunny day as opposed to a foggy day, right? We It's just everything is better. We also have a greater sense of purpose. When we've made our values explicit, we have a greater sense of what is purposeful or meaningful in our lives. And so we have a sense of motivation that comes from living a purposeful life. It also gives us a sense of well-being. So this idea of well-being means that you feel like your life is on track. My life is okay, right? Because I'm moving in a direction or, or consistent with my own values, what I have decided is important to me. Mm-hmm. And so you have all yeah. of these advantages of focus and clarity and well-being and purpose. And what's amazing about this is it only takes a couple of hours to go through this process, and it's absolutely free. I mean, how could you do better than that? Um, And you benefit from it for the rest of your life. And so this initial foundation or principle is to make our own core values explicit. So explicit is a very specific word. And what I mean by that is that we've gone through this process of of kind of weeding down all the values that we have or that we could have (laughs) to five. And I, and I walk you through a process. So, and you come up with what your five core values are. And then I ask you to rank them one, two, three, four, five. And in the Mm -hmm. process, I'll ask you to do three things. The first is to simply describe what is this value mean to me? Because you said like being honest, or being punctual. Well, what does that mean to you? Because frankly, we're all unique, right? We're all human beings. And it's very likely if you put three people in a room, <laughs> three of them will have slightly <laughs> different ideas about what that means, right? What does it mean to be honest? What yeah. does it mean to be punctual? Yeah. What does it mean to work hard? Yeah. Right? So we define mm. it. And it doesn't matter what your parents think or your brother or your girlfriend or whoever, right? It matters is what you mm-hmm. think it is. Because that's what we're getting as your core values. So I describe it. What does it mean? That's the first step. The second step is to say, well, what does it look like, right? In my regular day-to-day life, what does it look like to live that values now that I've defined it? And again, this isn't a page. (laughs) This is a very, you know, a couple of sentences. It doesn't have, this isn't a, you know, a 20-page book report. This should take less than a page, frankly. Um, and you may they'll be able to put all five values on a page, in fact, but certainly on a front and back of a page. So this isn't huge. Um, and then the third step is to describe very briefly why is my life better for living this value? Right. So you've defined it. You've described what it looks like in behavior, and then you say, if I live that behavior, if I really am have integrity to this value, why am I better off for doing that? And as we go through this process, again, it only takes a couple of hours. We, we just have this clarity about our lives that's very powerful. And it creates the very foundation of our personal motivation. So if we think of a tree, I like trees, and I worked in a rural area. We had lots of cherries, and I love cherries. 
So I'm going to use a cherry tree as a metaphor. So what we're talking about now is building the roots. Right? If we have a tree, you want deep, wide, effective roots. And the very tips yeah. of those roots is like our values. It's the foundation of everything else that we'll do to get up into a strong and flexible trunk and to eventually build branches and leaves and the fruit in their season. Mm. And so um, this is really the foundation. Make sense so far? Yes, of course. Yeah. And so I'm going to go much more quickly through these principles, but they build on each other. And, and, and so what we're doing is we're building roots and then we're strengthening the roots as it connects to the trunk, right? And the trunk then connects to the branches. This is really the foundations. Most of the things that we see today in our lives are about how do I do this, right? So if you're a Python programmer, how do I, you know, learn to program in Python better? What are the secrets, the tips, the tricks, and the techniques, right? If I have a podcast, what are the tips, tricks, and techniques of how to have a better podcast? If I, you know, whatever yes. I do, if I'm a custodian, you know, how do I do a better job at cleaning the floors or at disinfecting a surface or whatever, whatever we're doing, right? Most of what we have is about how to do it better, how to be better. Um, but what we're talking about here is how am I creating these foundations of who I am becoming? And the end goal is to become the person that naturally, because of the principles that you followed and the tools, tips, and techniques that you've implemented, that you naturally yeah. produce as much fruit as you possibly can, right? As much outcome, as much product, if you yeah. will. Um, and mm -hmm. that's what we all like. Right? We all would like to be more effective, right? But the idea is not to focus on the superficial part of being productive, but a more profound mm -hmm. approach to being productive as well as being connected and then being balanced. And so we become this whole human being, just like we're designed to be. So the second yes. principle is awareness. And there's two elements to that are two aspects. The first is awareness of what's going on around me. It's really important. And the most important, though, element or aspect of that is self-awareness. How am I doing? How am I progressing? Um, what is my status, if you will? It's critical feedback on our journey as human beings. So awareness is the second principle. The third principle is learning. So then everything we do, whether we feel like we've succeeded or we feel like we failed, is that we learn. That's the third principle. The fourth principle is intention. So, I'm sorry, the uh, fourth principle is intention. And so this idea is that if I don't have intention, what I'm doing is following somebody else's agenda for my life. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and everybody has an agenda for your life, I promise, right? The mattress <laughs> company sure. down the road would like you to buy their mattress whether you need one or not your boss wants you to get your job done the way he wants you to do it your spouse wants you to be who she wants you to be or he wants you to be right everybody has an agenda for us the idea here is that we should have intention for our own life what do i want to do is one part of that 
more importantly, is who do I want to become? So this, again, is about balance, this kind of balance idea. Mm -hmm. So the fifth principle is planning. So if I have intention, if you will, it's kind of like vision. We think about vision. It's my vision. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a vision, but you don't have any plan to get there, right, the odds of arriving are next to nothing, right? That's nonsense. Have a plan. And then once we've got a plan, we have to have a separate skill set, which is how do I carry out the plan? How do I actually do mm. it, right? So yeah. these first yeah. um, six principles are the principles of our values and what is called self-efficacy. It's the exercise of control over our lives. Mm. The seventh yeah. principle yeah. is belief or faith. Because this is a truism. I think most of us resonate with this. If I believe I can do something... I've increased the odds of actually doing it. If I don't Mm. believe I can do something or become something, the odds of me accomplishing it are next to zero. Does that make sense? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So this idea of belief or faith, it's really, it's a core construct or framework, if you will, um, to all of the other principles. The eighth Mm. principle is going into this area of what we'll call self-compassion. This is balance to being effective and in control, right? This is about being connected. And so the first principle is self-kindness. Far too many of us were taught as we were growing up by our parents, by our siblings, by our friends, by our teachers perhaps, that when I mess up, I should beat myself up. If I make a mistake, I should feel bad and think I'm a bad person. Right? There's this sense of the more I browbeat myself, the better person I am (laughs) for some reason. And this is just far (laughs) too common. But what the research shows us is that when we make a mistake and we beat up on ourselves, we say things like, that was stupid. I can't believe I did that again. What a dummy. What a moron, what an idiot. Any of these kinds of language that we might have, what they do is they take our capacity to do something about that mistake we've made or that flaw we have or whatever, and it decreases our ability to deal with it effectively. Well, that sucks, doesn't it? So we've not only made a mistake, but then we've decreased our ability to do anything about the mistake. What happens, though, is if we practice self-kindness, So this would be like talking to yourself and treating yourself like would a close friend or family member, right? So if you have a brother or a sister and they make a mistake and they're thinking how stupid they are, how dumb they are, they did this thing again. And if you went into them, are you very likely to go, you idiot, I can't believe you did that again. Or are you more likely to say, whatever their name is, I love you. You're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. Right? I'll help you. Let's get through this together. This is how you would talk to them, right? So Mm -hmm. we should talk to ourselves this way as well. And what the research tells us is that when we do that, our capacity to actually do better goes up dramatically. Mm -hmm. Right? So do we kick ourselves or do we help ourselves? 
right? So this idea of yep. self-kindness, self-kindness is, is a foundational principle of balance. The second mm-hmm. or the ninth principle is the sense of our common humanity. We talked about this a little bit before, but this idea that we are all unique, but we're only unique in little tiny ways and mostly ways that don't make that much difference, right? They're superficial. <laughs> They're external. Yeah. Um, but that whatever our circumstances are, so you could be from Ibadan <laughs> and be a programmer in Germany, and you might think, I'm like the only person in the world like this. But I guarantee you, if you look around a little bit, you'll find another programmer. If not from Ibadan, from Nigeria. And if not from Nigeria, mm. from West Africa. Right? And yeah. what will happen is, no matter how unique we feel, there are other people that are in similar circumstances who we can both be connected to, who we can support each other in, Um and feel like we are, in fact, not alone in this world. We are connected with other people as a part of this vast human family. And so we're not alone. Yes. That's really critical. And the final yeah. principle is this idea of, and I call the chapter mindlessness. And I did that on purpose because so many people if you said mindful or if I said this chapter about being mindful, there's a certain portion of the world who will go, mindfulness? Like, do I got to buy yoga pants? Do I have to eat yoga now? <laughs> do I have to, like, burn incense and learn fancy mm. words from India that I don't understand? Do yoga? Mm. No. You don't have to do any of those. You can do any of those things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I want to get away from any kind of biases that we might have about being mindful as this weird thing that hippies do or some other people someplace else and recognize that, Toby, you've got a mind. I have a mind. And everybody who's watching or listening to this, you have a mind or you wouldn't be here, right? And so since we all have a mind, which scientists have described is the most amazing creation in the world, in the universe, this mind of ours with its trillions of connections is the most amazing creation in the universe. And so since we have a mind, the only question that comes up and the only question that matters is, what am I doing with this amazing creation that I've been given. And so the 10th chapter is really about what are we doing with our minds? And obviously we don't want to be mindless. That just doesn't sound good, right? Um, In fact, that sounds like something we might say in a very mean way to somebody else (laughs) about being mindless. and other, yeah. you know, derogatory terms that we might use. So we don't want to be mindless. We really do want to be mindful if we think about it. So if we get rid of the bias and simply say, I've got a mind, how do I use my mind? I offer a few simple suggestions about using our mind in a more thoughtful or a more mindful way so that we then reinforce and support all these other principles that we just talked about. So the 10, in combination, build on each other, right? They support each other. And what happens is when we focus on those foundations, 
at least at the beginning, right? Because we all got to start someplace. If we focus on these foundations, thinking of that cherry tree, what you've got is this robust, deep root structure that keeps us grounded. Mm. And when things are going really well, right, it keeps us from thinking, well, I'm so amazing. I've, I've done all this stuff yeah. myself. Aren't I just amazing? And it keeps us grounded. And when things are not going well, which is inevitable because we're human beings and we have ups and we have yeah. downs, right? And so when we're it's down, difficult. when things are bad, when we've been fired maybe or we're broken, you know, in a transition of some kind, this happens a lot of times, right? Maybe a relationship yes. and we're transitioning out of it or something. Um, we're down when we're down, when we've got this foundation of roots and trunk and branches that are strong and flexible and viable, we weather the mm -hmm. storm better. As human beings, we avoid catastrophic failure, like massive depression, breakdown, um, burnout. You know, we think of all these things that are very common in our modern society. We can avoid yeah. the worst instances of those things because we've got these foundations that we've built and we're constantly reinforcing. Um, so anyway, so it serves us really well, no matter what our circumstances are. It keeps us balanced. Yeah. It keeps us connected. It keeps us accomplishing, but not in a machine or a mechanical, right? Because the machine, you know, yeah. it needs to keep up an output at eight because that's the goal that we've set for it and we've designed it for. And if it's not always at an eight, it's broken, it's flawed, it's defective. It's not working right, right? It's bad, bad machine. But as a human being, we know that sometimes we're functioning at an eight, sometimes we're at a nine or a 10, and sometimes we're at a six. Yeah. But that's because we're a human sure. being, and that's normal, right? So we see ourselves in this holistic, balanced, more natural, more realistic way, and we accomplish as much as we can given our circumstances. We're kind to ourselves. Yeah. We're constantly adjusting. We're constantly adapting as we learn. And we have this awareness that we've built in. It's really, I think, a more beautiful, powerful way to be a human being and still be productive in a modern age. Yes, I really love the, the 10 principles that you talked about. And you know, one thing that stood out to me is also, you know, being able to learn from our setbacks without being harsh on ourselves, like being kind to ourselves. We have to be kind to ourselves no matter what, you know, we've done wrongly, no matter how foolish we might think we are or stupid we might think we are because of what happened. But we have to be kind to ourselves just the way we are kind to our brothers, our sisters or loved ones out there. You know, we don't, you know, just push out ash words on them in their down state in their down moment or down state we you know try to um, you know uplift them with kind words and motivations that's the same way we should also deal with ourselves when whenever we're going through difficult situations or whenever we we've messed up basically yeah i love that yeah and there's one thing you, you talk about really you know the 10th principle when you talk about the, the mind that we have to use our mind in a way in order to you know, make sure that we live a better life, basically, you know, to become, you know, to make use of all these 10 principles. And I don't know if you could um, share these skills with us, these skills and how we can make use of our mind in order to become a new person, in order to, you know, become much more kind to ourselves, much more, um, you know, progressive in the way we plan to achieve our visions in life also. There you go. And and these are, I mean, the principles are great. And the way the book is set up is... Each book, each chapter has one principle. 
and given that we're all human beings, and I really wrote the book for people going through challenges, frankly. And so each book, each chapter has skill segments that give additional illumination and some more specific actual ways that you put the principle into practice. Um, but they're not a prescription. Like you go to the doctor's office and they say, take this pill morning and night um, and take this pill only in the morning and take this pill, you know, only after food or this one without food or right. It's a prescription. It's very specific. And you got to do this and this and this. The book isn't written that way. It's really written as a guide because your life is unique. Your, your circumstances are unique. And so I wrote it in such a way that I ask you to use that amazing creation in between your ears to think about in my life, this principle is important. That's important. Mm -hmm. And then how do I apply it? And I just to give you some suggestions on ways you might, but I don't want to tell you which way it is. I want you to discover for yourself the best way for you yeah. right now in your individual circumstances to apply this principle. And I'm going to ask you to not to do 17 different things. <laughs> Find one <laughs> thing at a time and then apply it. And give yourself a break. Be patient. Be diligent. Be consistent. And here's something that's actionable. So somebody's listening to this and going, well, that's all nice, but what do I do, right? How, how do I get yeah. this done, right? So the first thing exactly. is to buy the book and to go through it and read it. I mean, that's the first thing. But something that everybody could apply today, whether you buy my book or not, and I offer this as a gift, is that you start your morning with intent. So who do I want to be today? What do I want to get done? You have intent. And at the end of the day, you're accountable. So at the end of the day, you say, this was my intent. How did it go? Right? So we're not beating ourselves up if it didn't go well, right? My intent was yeah. to be nice to my coworker who I think is a jerk. And I wasn't. So I'm accountable to that. Yeah. And I might say, okay. In my book, I give some specific suggestions how to do this, but I, I, I would rehearse and I would say, I didn't do as well as I would like, so tomorrow, how can I do better? And you think of one specific yeah. way I could do better. So in the morning when you wake up, or whenever it is you wake up, right? If you're working swing shift at night when you wake up, we're all in an individual <laughs> circumstance, right? So you have to adapt this to your yes. life. So when you get up in the morning, mm -hmm. whenever that is, you're intentional, Yesterday I learned, right? We talked about learning as a principle. Today I'm intentional. Yes. And you go through your day, and at the end of the day, you say, how did I do? This is a daily process, mm -hmm. not a chance to beat up on yourself, but a day to mm -hmm. practice the principles and to begin this process of becoming and doing what you want. So you are the captain yes. of your own life. Connected, yes. effective, and balanced. Love that. Connected and balanced. I mean, we have to be balanced in every area of our lives. Yeah. And how long do you think it takes us to create a new you, a new person? How do, how what I would it? urge you to do is to not think of it in that way. <laughs> what I would okay. urge you to do yeah. is to think about it as 
this is my journey as a human being and it will take the rest of my life. I will possibly be a new me within a few days, right? In a little tiny way, because our, our life is an accumulation of individual choices that we make every day, every hour. And so what we want to do in a practice of mindfulness is to be in the moment. Right now, I'm in this moment. I'm focused on you. I'm focused on your audience. And that's me being mindful. That's my intent, yeah. is to be a value of service to your audience and to you. But it doesn't end, right? Because in the next moment, when we're done, I'll have something else, and I'll be more focused on that. And I'll be mindful about yeah. it, right? Consistent with my yes. intent when I got up this morning, which was to be of service to those people that I'm interacting with. So that's my intent. Yes. And so... At the end of the day, I'll take a moment. It doesn't take a long time, no matter how busy our life is, right? And I really recommend journaling as a way to do this. I struggle with that myself, just to be completely transparent. But it's a very powerful tool to use. So without journaling, except for every now and again, I simply review my day. And I say, this is my intent. This were my goals. I use my calendar to help me with this. Um, and I think about both what I wanted to do and who I want to become. Um, and I think about tomorrow, how can I do a little bit better, right? It's this daily process. And again, it doesn't take over our life. It's fairly simple. It's fairly short. And we can live a full life in between. But it becomes more powerful. It becomes more purposeful by following these principles and these simple steps. I'm so grateful to you, um, David, for sharing all of these principles and skills with us and with me particularly. Like, um, I've been, you know, listening to you so far, I feel like there's a lot of work I have to work to on myself, basically, to become a better person. <laughs> and um, I, I just want you to tell us how we could get the book, how we could connect with you, in case there's someone out there who still has to... We still as the urge to ask more questions, or maybe there are some things we didn't cover in this conversation that some people would still love to, you know, ask you directly. What's the best way to connect with you and maybe also work with yeah. you? Yeah. And so um my book is on Amazon right now, and I've got it as an ebook, mm. as a paperback, mm. and as an audiobook. So we've got those three different formats. Um, you can find the book through my website, which is simply my name www.davidredwards.com and you can contact me there. I'm also on Facebook and I'm also on LinkedIn. Awesome. I'm going to provide all of these links in the show notes of this episode. So I encourage everyone to just click on the links, to copy the links and get the book from Amazon and read the books, apply the 10 principles, become a much more better person, become a new you, basically. And then if you have questions or anything you would love to get, and get from David, you could just get on his LinkedIn page and just um, maybe join the Facebook group or on Facebook, contact him on Facebook also. And then, yeah, we, we all, you know on this journey of becoming better people, basically, in one way or the other, and become a much more fuller person, basically. There you go. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of this, and I appreciate, you know, the gift that I give to the world, in, you know, in terms of your book also. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Toby. It's a pleasure. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. 
Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.